0: Hello, everybody. This is at Blue Jays Dad. Welcome to the Try Easier podcast. The Blue Jays are coming off a series versus the Phillies, and next coming to town to Dunedin, Florida, we have the Boston Red Sox. So today, we're going to talk about a Boston Red Sox series preview, and we have a special guest with us today, Gabrielle. She's on the Twitter. At GF star, that star with two R's, one. Let me say that more simply. At GF star, one. And the star has two R's. Gabrielle, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well,
0: uh, Blue Jays fans, we want to know why the Boston Red Sox have been so successful thus far. Because when we talked about preseason predictions, it was looking like Yankees, you know, we were hoping, obviously, we are hoping for the Blue Jays to be up there, the Rays. But then we have these Red Sox that not too long ago were unloading some big-name players. What's going on with your Boston Red Sox? You
1: know, to a certain extent, I have no idea just because it's kind of crazy how good that they've been. Um, I will say I was high on the Blue Jays. I multiple times on locks on Red Sox, I called them the sleeper team in the American League, not just in our division, but in the American League as a totality. And I have been bummed out to see them not doing as well. I mean, they're, they're doing well, but they're not doing as well as I saw. And part of that is due to some unfortunate injuries, but For my team, I think the biggest key difference between last year and this year is starting pitching. The Red Sox starters consistently go at least five innings, and they're giving up, you know, ideally not too many runs. They're not walking too many guys. And the Red Sox offense, of course, is as potent, if not more potent, than they've been in the last few years. Um, So you you combine those two things, and the result is – a solid win. Now, of course the bullpen is doing their best to derail that almost every single night. Yeah. What's going, what's going on with your bullpen? Barns, who,
0: who are the, the big arms um, and who's failing out there? Cause we need to know if we're down in a game, we need to know that we still have a hope.
1: So, um, I, I think the biggest, the biggest thing with the Red Sox bullpen is just that they're generally not very talented individuals. Um, Matt Barnes, I'm not including in that because he's our closer, and he, aside from yesterday when he actually ended up with his first blown save of the year, aside from that, he has been generally absolutely excellent. He was the American League reliever of the month last month. It's more the bridge, guys, between the starter and Matt Barnes, who has been the problem. Um, Sara has given up a few too many home runs. Adam Adovino can't stop walking people, and uh, they just – they need bullpen help. Um, if, if they're actually serious about contending this year, which after the last month and a half of baseball, I would say that they should be serious about contending, which I wouldn't have said if you'd asked me on opening day because it's just going not seem like this was that kind of year for them. But now, you know, six weeks in, I'm like, well, you should probably be upgrading your bullpen before the deadline. Uh, that's where they need the most help. They have starters. They have backs. They need relievers.
0: I, I get it. I hear it. Um, so let's, uh, let's uh, just right off the bat, let's predict. Who, how, many, how many games this series do you think the Red Sox take out of this three-game series?
1: Um, I would say two, but I'm going to assume one of the games will go to extras, so it won't be easy. I think there will be at least one close game for this for this series. All right. Well, and I say this having been at Fenway Park for 19 inning Red Sox Blue Jays games in the past. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. So let's just get a little controversial. What do you think about the new extra inning rule introduced last season? They're keeping it this season, starting each extra inning with a runner on second base. Your thoughts?
1: Um, I think that it should be a rule that starts in like the 11th or 12th inning. I find it very annoying in the tenth inning. As somebody who is a fan of a team and covers a team that historically over the last few years has just had so many extra inning games, I, I just I think it's yet another thing that kind of just dulls the shine of what baseball is supposed to be you know all of these rule changes are meant to speed up the game and do this do that the three batter minimum um you know talking about moving back the mound all of these rule changes that have been been put into effect or are being you know tested out in like the Atlantic League for example it's just people who want to change baseball because they don't appreciate baseball because you know what somebody who isn't a baseball fan is not going to understand the difference that this this runner on second will make. Somebody who isn't a baseball fan isn't going to care about a three batter minimum because they already don't understand baseball. They don't care about baseball to begin with. This isn't going to be the thing that makes them be like, you know what? I didn't like baseball yesterday, but all of a sudden I'm a baseball fan. Take all my money. These aren't, these aren't things that matter to them but they, they matter to people who already care about baseball. So all you're doing is upsetting your existing fan base. And you're not actually acquiring any new fans because if they didn't appreciate baseball to begin with, they're not going to see how this makes any difference.
0: Right. I, I'll tell you what, you mentioned the three batter minimum. I don't like that one. Um, I, I like the idea of the uh, lefty specialist coming in for one one batter. I think that is a great strategy in the game.
1: The Kevin cash specialty, as they say,
0: <laughs> exactly. And you know, I think Joe Girardi got us into this mess with all the Yankee pitching changes that he would make in the ninth inning when they're up by seven, just to get people work with two outs in the ninth. And yeah. those are the things that delay the game. And honestly, I'm also a, Hey, let's, let's throw the four pitches for the intentional walk. Um, I do think that as a pitcher, that actually changes things for you to have to throw four intentionally off the plate pitches. It's kind of a price you pay for intentionally walking, perhaps the, the best uh, hitter in the lineup. And then what's the final one? There was, Oh, here's, I wanted to know what you thought about this. What do you think about this one? When it comes to the replay reviews, I think they're great. I, I, I think it's it, it adds a fun element to the game that everyone's waiting. They show the replay in the stadium on TV. Like, you get to see that stuff, and then often it's still disappointing. They may might as well flip a coin. And also, it's like, I want a live stream of those umpires in New York, whoever they are in their pinstripes. I want a live stream to we can see those guys deliberating. Because sometimes I don't know where that phone call is going to or if there even is a phone call. But I'll say this about replay reviews. What do you think about this? What if they had to decide to review it or not right when it happens? Like no going over video, just right when it happens because of either the player, a coach, a manager saying, yeah, we're going to review that one. Wouldn't that save a lot of time not going to like, you know, when they're, the, the, the anticlimactic manager st- standing on the top step of the dugout, holding out his finger, looking back at the bench coach on the phone. That seems to waste a lot of time in my mind. What, what do you think about that one?
1: I definitely think the whole replay review system needs an overhaul, especially because sometimes you just get an umpire who is totally like drunk on power. We saw this in a Red Sox game actually earlier this season. Alex Cora got tossed. And I don't remember the exact details, but I just remember that the umpire said um, that he just like wasn't going to review it. And he said, uh, he, he just was like, he was totally on a power trip. And, you know, he was saying like, no one's going to overturn my call. Uh, no one's even going to review it. We're not doing this. And he just like decided, and, you know, even though there have been games like during the A's series last week, Bob Melvin wanted something reviewed where it was kind of like, this is so blatantly, obviously the right call that you're just like, why do you even, it's just a waste of time to get this reviewed. And so in that way, I'm kind of like, this is ridiculous. But at the same time, if somebody wants something reviewed, it should just be reviewed. Um, And it shouldn't be like a whole protracted thing because yes, those are the things that, those are the things that end up, you know, taking up so much time but again, if somebody really genuinely loves baseball, like, they're not going to care that much, you know, especially if they're either at home or they're at the game, like, they'll just get up and get another beer or they'll make them, get themselves a hot dog. Like, it's not that huge of a deal to people who actually care about being at a baseball game or watching a baseball game. And, you know, I think one of the other things is, you know, if we finally get robot umpires, then a lot of these problems go away. Obviously, that's not the case for, you know, calls on the field. But when something, like, is there is or isn't a strike, I mean, we have seen so many ridiculously bad, like, egregiously bad calls at Red Sox games so far this season of things where it's like, that thing is 10 miles outside the strike zone and, 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 and it's not a ball, really? And things like that, you know, that messes up the game, in my opinion, more than all of these other things. And, you know, you mentioned the three batter minimum. My thing with the three batter minimum is it takes away control from the manager and it actually ultimately ends up making the game longer. Because if you have a guy like, say, Adam Ottavino, for example, and he comes in and he has to face three batters and he walks all three of those batters or he walks two of them and he gives up a hit and then the bases are loaded and there's still no outs. You have to get somebody else warming. You have to switch your pitcher. And then that second pitcher still has to clean up Ottavino's mistake. And it actually ends up making the game longer. As opposed to, you know, if Adam Ottavino comes in and he gives up a home run to the first guy he faces and, like, just looks terrible in that at-bat, Cora could be like, nope, not at night, not at night. I'm taking him out. And I'm not saying that that happens all the time, but, I mean, look at Kevin Cash. The guy would literally have one lefty specialist come in to face one batter. And, you know, part of me when I would be watching the Red Sox play the Rays would be like, this is ridiculous. But it's also strategy. And it also keeps the authority in the manager's hands, as opposed to this rule where it's like, if he wants to put in Ottavino, guess what? We're all strapped in for three batter minimum of Adam Ottavino, no matter how good he is. And I think back to the 2018 postseason it's a 2018 season as a whole basically with Craig Kimbrell when his walks per nine basically quadrupled from the year before and if Cora hadn't been able to pull Kimbrel from games when he was struggling there are so many games that we might have lost because there were just nights when he didn't have it and the rest of your team I know it's a team sport but to a certain extent the rest of your team shouldn't suffer because you don't have it. Right. And that should be the manager's call, not Rob Manfred who doesn't even seem to like baseball anyway. <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you what, uh, a fond, I don't want to get into your Blue Jays memory quite yet. I want to save that to the end of the show. But one of my fond memories of the left-handed specialist is the Blue Jays bringing in Brett Cecil to to face Big Poppy. And that was uh You know, there was a a lot of times that Brett Cecil was successful and got us out of some big jams. So I, I miss those days.
1: Yeah, I just think, you know, we're taking away so much creativity from the game and we're replacing it with things that eliminate like fun and surprises. We're making baseball more predictable. And, you know, David Ortiz gave an interview to the Boston Globe at the start of the season saying, you know, there's so many strikeouts in baseball right now that, like, the game is boring. And I think that's one of many ways these rule changes included, that baseball is diluting its essence. And it, it's sad to me, honestly, because there's just so many fun, creative, wild things that I remember my childhood or just from hearing about from my dad where it's like this would never happen anymore I mean you see guys like no I mean I know people are trying to minimize injuries but you see people like no one no one tries to slide into first base anymore they're just like well I am not even going to try to beat out this throw and it's just I feel like people don't you know pitchers throw harder than they used to but as a whole uh, I feel like baseball players don't play as hard as they used to. And I don't mean like they don't try as hard. I mean, it's less of a rough and tumble game than it used to be. Like now, if a player on the Red Sox has their uniform dirty, it's it's like a conversation in the booth during the game. Right. As opposed to, you know, when I was a kid in like the nineties and early two thousands, everyone's dirty. You're sliding all over the place. You're tumbling around the field. You look like you've been rolling in a dust ball. Uh, and like, now it's like, you know, most people's uniforms are pristine until the end of the game.
0: <laughs> right, and you know, a, a big you know a, a big very change. coddled and careful. Right, and and a big change today too. I think in in the game is that you have um, more uh, muscular, built-up muscle players that are doing really explosive actions on their own, not you know in in playing hard, but in 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 making uh, you know the. Uh, the hip shoulder separation movements um, doing those types of things. And which is giving, seems to be giving more injuries now where before you had guys like getting dirty, sliding in there. Um, I mean, I remember I I'm 45 years old. And when I played in high school, you know, I played shortstop second base and we had to watch out for that runner coming in to take us out on a double play. Like it, it was a totally different thing. I, and, um, but now it's like, now you have like these incredible, um, muscular athletes that now are getting injured on their own without even touching anybody.
1: Oh yeah. Like, you know, Aaron judge and John Carlos did it's just, I, I always say, I'm like, these guys on the Yankees need to do more yoga because <laughs> everyone's trying to bulk up, but I mean, I I hate, I like, it's so nerdy to like, and so Massachusetts to say like Tom Brady pliability, but foam rolling, yoga, stretching, like stop trying to like be Jose Canseco with the muscles and, and start trying to be like, you know, flexible because all of that is just leading to more injury. As opposed to, I mean, you look at people who are like 95 years old and they practice yoga still and they look like they're 65 because they're, you know, actually cherishing and taking care of their bodies. And it's kind of crazy to me. Players are so terrified of getting injured, but they won't do these kind of more holistic, like ancient, you know, things like practices like yoga that have been around for literally thousands of years. Like they've been around that long because they work.
0: Right. Right. Well, let's uh, change gears and go into another topic that um, we, th- we were uh, chatting briefly about it before we started to record this episode. But you're you're involved uh, in minor league baseball, very passionate about minor league baseball. Tell us about uh, Locked On Red Sox and, and what you're doing with that.
1: So Locked On Red Sox is on the Locked On Podcast Network. We have local experts. I also do social media for their MLB shows. And um, basically the whole premise of Locked On is, you know, your team every day. So every weekday you can listen to a podcast by a local expert that covers your favorite team. So if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, if you're a Yankees fan, if you are a New York Knicks fan, I don't know why I'm choosing New New York's uh, teams (laughs) randomly. Um, (laughs) But Locked On Blue Jays, hosted by my friend A.J. Andrews. She's amazing. And, you know, so for the Red Sox, though, I think, you know, minor leagues don't get enough coverage. Minor league players and what they go through in order to live out their dreams, they don't get enough coverage. Um, Major League Baseball doesn't care enough about Minor league baseball, which is crazy when you think about it, because all minor leaguers, all major leaguers come from the minor leagues, um, well, or other leagues. But you know, you don't just show up like, and you don't just come to Major League Baseball from nowhere. You come from somewhere else. But those places that they that they pull those players from are underserved, underpaid, underappreciated, um, and I have friends who were minor leaguers and not all of them made it to the major leagues. And I, I know firsthand from being their friend, what they went through, you know, um, sharing a two bedroom apartment with eight guys and they were all on air mattresses just because they couldn't afford their own places. Only being able to afford to eat was at the ballpark. And a lot of times it was just peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, like having to pay for the for the uniforms to be laundered, but you don't make enough money to live, like, buy your own bed and live in an apartment by yourself or just, like, have your own bedroom. Um, you know, not knowing, not being paid during the offseason and not being paid during spring training. These are all things that minor leaguers go through just because they have a dream of one day playing major league baseball. And Major league baseball meanwhile will pay somebody 300 million like a, a team will pay someone 300 million dollars but during the pandemic they didn't want to pay minor leaguers 400 dollars a day you know the mets cut something like 37 minor leaguers in May of 2020 instead of just paying them and it literally would have amounted to less than a million dollars to just keep paying those players at a time when teams were not finding because there was no minor league se- like minor league season in 2020 And most places around the country were not hiring people because they were laying off people and unemployment levels were rising. And the Mets just like callously were like, we're cutting 37 minor leaguers, like basically stranding them with no place to go. And, you know, it's not like they're going to get huge unemployment checks because they're minor leaguers. I mean, they're like, it's based off, you know, how much money that you're making in your previous job. So if you're only making $400 a week, your unemployment's going to be, Pretty, pretty small. Right. Um, and so there were minor leaguers who literally got jobs working at supermarkets. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just all about, to me, like more human compassion, more understanding of what people go through, walking a mile in other people's shoes. And, you know, I remember in the 2019 postseason when the Twins and the Yankees played each other and Randy. Bill Knack, I don't think I'm pronouncing his name right, but um, he's a pitcher on the Twins. He, when he was a minor leaguer, he drove like Uber or Lyft during his off time in order to make ends meet. Right. And during the postseason, Yankees fans were making fun of him for being the guy who drove a ride share um, to make money. And to me, that was just like the saddest and most cruel thing because this is a guy who, you know, you think about how hard athletes work. So it's not like he just has free time when he's not playing in the minor league game. It's like, no, you're, you're working out. You're going, to, you're going to practice. You're training. You're, you know, and then on top of it, he's driving around strangers in his car just to make ends meet. And he's being mocked for that. He should be admired for that. But also he shouldn't have had to do that in the first place. He's a professional athlete. And so whenever I have the chance to talk about minor leaguers or interview minor leaguers or spotlight a minor league organization, I do it because I don't think enough people are doing it. Right. Sorry, there's
0: a... You know, there's, there's sirens siren going by my place, wanna, too.
1: I don't want it to uh, ruin your, your, um, your audio. No, we got, but, um, we got sirens yeah. on both ends. <laughs> um. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, so, like, I'm fully credentialed for the Red Sox AAA ballpark this season, and I'm going to go as much as possible. And, you know, those are the the Boston stars of tomorrow. But you should get to know them today and see how hard they work to get to Fenway Park. And, um, you know, I'm really honored to be able to do it, and it's something I just, I care about a lot.
0: Well, I got to get you connected with uh do you know Eric the Peanut guy? Eric Mertens. He's a stadium host for the Tri-City Dust Devils. He's a huge minor league fan. Um I dare say even more than the major leagues. But uh I'll I'll get you connected with him over Twitter. I think uh both of you would be would have fun uh discussing these issues. I would love that. What what do you see um uh any changes happening so far in the game? What do you think will change in the near future when it comes to how Major League Baseball treats its minor league players?
1: Um, sadly, I mean, they just eliminated 42 teams. So I'm really not that hopeful at the moment just because all indications point to, you know, Less valuing of the minor league, but you know, the Astros did something which is both kind of amazing and sad that it's amazing in that they're the first major league team to provide housing for all of their minor leaguers. And I think that's incredible because I don't really see how, I don't know if it's that they haven't figured it out yet or they just don't really care, but you would think that if you took care of your minor leaguers and didn't starve them and didn't make them have to sleep on air mattresses they might be healthy enough to develop faster into better major league players because they're not just trying to struggle to figure out what they're going to eat for their next meal because they can only afford ramen and peanut butter like if you take a little bit more care of them they might just be healthy enough to progress faster and it's wild but that's a crazy idea because it should just be what happened. You know, all of these teams are valued or owned by billionaires. You know, the Red Sox are valued at like $4 billion almost. Their ownership group is valued at like $7 billion almost. And it's like you, you really, like, like these are teams that had to be shamed publicly into just paying their minor leaders $400 a week. And it's like if you paid them a $1,000 a week, you wouldn't even miss that money. I guarantee you, this is a drop in the bucket. Like every time the Red Sox ownership is like hanging out on their private yacht, I'm like, you realize your minor leaguers are sleeping eight people to a two bedroom apartment because you don't pay them enough to be able to afford beds, So they sleep on air mattresses. And it's just, it needs to change because at a certain point, it's just, you know, your, your, your farm systems suffer and then it trickles up to your major league system, your major league team, and um, maybe then we'll start to care.
0: Gabrielle, let's see if in the future we can reconnect on this uh, issue, this topic when some things uh, come up in the news cycle about it, because I'm sure this isn't the last we're going to hear about this, but it'd be good to connect with you in the future too uh, to get your take as there are developments in MLB's care for minor leaguers. Would you be up for that? Of course, I would anytime. Excellent. Well, let's. Uh, we're just going to bring things to uh, a close here with our our final uh, topic, and that is I, I asked you um, uh, to come up with to share your most vivid memory that includes the Toronto Blue Jays and maybe the Red Sox as well. But your viv- your most vivid memory of the Toronto Blue Jays, and you said you had a pretty good random one. What is it?
1: So in 2017, there was a series at the beginning of September at Fenway Park, and I remember because I went to every game of this series, and it was the week that I moved to Los Angeles for two years. And basically, multiple games in that series, I believe, but I remember one specific one went into extra innings, and the game ended up going, I think, 19 innings. And this was a game in which Josh Donaldson got himself purposefully ejected from the game somewhere in the, you know, like 13th, 14th, 16th inning, whatever. Um, because after the game, he said, I was like, he said, he basically said he was tired. He was over it. He wanted to go to bed. And this game was so long that by the end of it, there were only probably about 200 people left in the ballpark. And um it was about one thirty in the morning and I was at the ballpark with a friend and because there were so few people in the ballpark, we all kind of gradually had just migrated down to sitting on the first baseline in just like a giant group, just kind of wondering if the game was ever gonna end. And there's like this kind of fun camaraderie because you know that the only people who are there in the nineteenth inning of a September game against a team that's not going to the postseason are people who are just so obsessed with the Red Sox that they literally just don't leave games. And I'm one of those people. I've been at more extra inning games in my life than I can count. And so when the game was finally over and the Red Sox won, by that time we all kind of were like this little group of friends and we were all like hugging and cheering. And then a bunch of us walked over to one of the few places on what is now Jersey Street, formerly Yaki Way, one of the sides of the ballpark. And all grabbed slices from like the only vendor that was still open because none of us had eaten since, you know, before the seventh inning. And it was just one of those moments where you kind of felt that camaraderie of being a Red Sox fan. I thought the Donaldson thing was kind of funny and ridiculous. And, you know, it was 19 innings of just like two teams who, for whatever reason, like neither team could play to run to save their life. And the Red Sox used a guy who hadn't pitched since 2015 because they didn't have anybody else. And it was just one of those crazy Red Sox, you know, moments. And it happened to be a Blue Jays series. And then the last game that I went to before I moved to LA was the following night. And it was again, against the Blue Jays. And um, I went with my parents and my sister and it poured for half the game. And we stopped there on the first baseline and we got totally soaked. And because it was my last night um, in town, we stayed, my family, for all nine innings, um, because I don't leave games early, but my parents, you know, if it, it, typically if it starts pouring, my parents are like, we'll see you at home. But it was my last night, so we all sat together completely soaked and chilled to the bone watching the Red Sox play together, and that was also against the Blue Jays, so very special and fun week for me.
0: That's fantastic. I... um Yeah, I'm right there with you. Any conditions, sticking there to the end. There was one time I went to a game with my daughter at Target Field here in Minneapolis uh, where the Blue Jays were, were playing the Twins, and we got there, I think when the gates opened an hour before game time, there was a rain delay at game time, and the game went extra innings, and we stayed the whole time. We were there for, I think, six hours, and... That was when she was about, I think, 12 or 13 years old. And we felt like we didn't get enough baseball.
1: See, I love stuff like that. I mean, I was at the 18 inning World Series game in 2018 in LA. And I was like, yeah, I don't remember what life was like before I got to the ballpark tonight, but I'm chill. Like, I could stay here for another 17, 18 innings. (laughs) I was kind of hoping that it would be, you know, kind of like the longest game, I think, in the longest game in. Um, MLB slash minor league history was a 33 inning game actually of the Red Sox AAA team back when they were in Pawtucket. Now they're in Worcester, but it was a 33 inning game. There's a book that's written about it, and um, funny enough, the bat boy from that series actually now works as the video coordinator for the Red Sox. Um, He's the one that you know helps JD Martinez with his swing, you know, by giving him his video footage of all his at bats, but Uh, yeah, I I love extra inning games. I'm like, hey, it's free baseball. I'll take it. You know, the Red Sox have the day off. So I'm sitting here. I'm like, what am I going to do all night?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. Well, I'm going to have to look up that game that you mentioned about Josh Donaldson getting uh, purposely ejected. I'm going to look that one up and see what I can uh, dig up. I think it was like
1: September 5th, maybe. It was 2017. It was the first week in September because I think I moved on the 7th. So I think it would be either the 5th um i think it was
0: the fifth all right well that that's uh fascinating thank you that that is a, that's an awesome story and thank you for sharing that with me today and gabrielle thank you so much for being on my podcast and uh sharing your passion for the game knowledge about the red Sox, um your what do you call it petitioning advocating for minor leaguers and minor league baseball thank you for joining me today
1: Thank you for having me Um, anytime. It was, it was a tree and, you know, I, I will literally talk baseball till I am blue in the face. Um, So anytime. (laughs) Blue Jays dad podcast.